Welcome to A Canadian Investing in the U.S., a podcast and YouTube channel focused on Canadians buying real estate with host Glenn Sutherland. Welcome to another episode of A Canadian Investing in the U.S. This week, my guest is Van Sturgeon. Uh, Van, give everybody kind of a background yourself and we'll, we'll kind of go into this. Yeah, like we started jibber jabbering uh, before they used to hit the record button, and I've enjoyed my, I've been enjoying. I've been looking forward to meeting with you and talking with you, and and, and we'll continue the conversation. But essentially, like I, I was born and raised in Chicago. Uh, I'm uh, I'm a tad older than you. I, I was a product of the '60s, and uh, I grew up uh, to, with uh, two immigrant parents. I had a younger brother. We lived in a one bedroom apartment in Chicago. And um, as you know, as every immigrant family or every family, I suppose, they were looking at their parents were looking to save up some money to buy their dream home. As they were toiling away, uh, you know, scouring and putting their nickels uh, in a little pot, they came across, I don't know how, that the apartment building that they're living in, or we were living in, had gone up for sale. And so instead of buying a dream home, they went in and became landlords. They borrowed and, and, and they put down a down payment and, and then all of a sudden they are, they're landlords. And this happened in 77 or something like that. Mm -hmm. uh, just, uh, you know, a fully occupied building in the north side of Chicago. And then all of a sudden uh, the late 70s started to kick in. The, the, the Rand hostage situation, Jimmy Carter, the... Oil embargoes, uh, inflation rate was crazy. Interest rates were at 18, 20 some odd percent. So it was a really miserable time. So, and then uh, the economy started to suffer. And all of a sudden, this fully occupied building started to become, started to see vacancies 20, 30, 50%. Um, the, just, it was a, that was a migration of out of the big city. And it wasn't only in Chicago, places like New York, LA, places uh, everywhere. Uh, people running off into the suburbs and what was that behind was a lot of drugs and crime and prostitution, all that kind of stuff. And so vacancy rates skyrocketed and, and my parents, we as a family had to do what we had to do to, to survive. So all of a sudden we're the ones cleaning toilets. We're the ones fixing light switches and windows and you name it, we did it all. And we're able to get through that difficult time. And Ultimately, uh, it was the best investment that my parents had ever made. Uh, we did very, very well. They did very, very well. Yeah. And it was in that background uh, that I, I went off to university and I came back, uh, had aspirations or had some aspirations of being a lawyer. And then uh, I just couldn't see myself pushing paper. So I, I had a very difficult conversation with my mom and dad and I said, listen, your son, your baby boy is not going to be, he's got the wishes to be a lawyer. I really want to get into the general contracting. I like this whole renovation stuff. And that's where in the late 80s, I got started in Chicago, uh, being a general contractor, uh, and worked my tail off trying to develop a business. Thankfully, it was a, it was a good period of time. And I kept running into these real estate investors, Glenn, these guys yeah. who would buy it and sell and guys who have a portfolio. I'm like, wow, this is pretty good stuff. This is the houses, you know, they, they're making some money here. And that's when I started, uh, the, you know, I, I got started on that. And 1991 was my first flip. Did really well. I mean, I made like 30 grand on the flip. And it was like, wow, like $30,000. There's lawyers that are, you know, we're making back then 30 grand. And I'm making it in one flip, a five, six month flip. Yeah. And then that's got me hooked. So at the same time, I was developing this general contracting business and being successful at it. I was doing, you know, flips. And then from flips, it went into uh, creating a portfolio. 
and then I you know, got together, I put together a bunch of stuff, uh, you know, about 120 some odd doors. And then all of a sudden, um, uh, it opened, uh, I created a property management. And it was through the property management, uh, the relationships I had with other real estate investors, I grew that business. So I've been, I've done everything that walks and crawls in real estate from never mind owning property, single family, multifamily. Um, I've, 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 I've built houses and subdivisions. I've renovated to office building, everything under the sun. So I've literally done thousands of renovations and um, I'm kind of, I'm semi-retired in my life right now. Uh, I've got some really great people that I've either their employees or partner up with to look after all of my businesses. And, uh, and, and right now I'm just really, I'm semi-retired. I spent a couple hours looking in on things, making sure everything's okay. The rest of the time, I, I, I had nothing to do. And ultimately, um, a friend of mine out of the blue calls me up and says, hey, you know, uh, we want to renovate our house. And, uh, you know, you're, we know you do all that kind of stuff. Can you help us out? I said, sure. I'm not doing anything. I was kind of, good, I was kind of low in my life, too, Glenn, yeah. because I, I was getting bored. It had been a good two years there. I wasn't doing really anything. And I was getting irritated. Oh, yeah. um, and then I started, I helped these folks out. And then these folks from those folks, uh, it's a great experience. They had a lot of, you know, they saved money. They were empowered by the whole process. And I'm like, uh, and I felt good about it. I was helping somebody. And then I went to, uh, I was talking to a real estate investor friend of mine who happens to be also a coach that helps people. And he's like, yeah, I've told him my experience. And, I, and he's like, yeah, you'd be surprised at how many people struggle with this. There's so many guys out there floating around talking about, you know, how to flip a house and how to do wholesale and how to do this, that, and the other, but nobody really focuses on that particular component, which is just as important as finding a great deal. Like you could go find a great deal off market, yeah. whatever. We could talk about that stuff, but ultimately all those great deals need to have some type of renovation, some type of value add. And I've seen great deals get screwed up by, you know, not hiring the right contractor or, uh, over-renovating or not following systems and processes implement in your life to be able to not only profit, but also scale your portfolio. Ultimately, we're, we're getting involved in real estate so that we can create financial freedom and generational wealth, right? But yep. you need to have those processes and systems in place in life. So that's got me uh, involved in this. I, I, do, I love interacting with people. I love doing these podcasts and talking about my experiences. And hopefully people listening in will be able to learn something from this and apply that to their life. Because I'm really out there trying to help people as, uh, as much as I can. I, I got, I'm on a mission. I want to create 1 million millionaires by 2030 in yep. real estate investing. <laughs> and one we had it like he mentioned that we were talking before we started this and one thing i didn't know about van just from our quick conversation that you're sitting in toronto right now i, I whenever i i'd heard about you and i heard you on other shows i always heard chicago and i was i just assumed you were an american which or did you get citizenship or how did that all go oh i'm a, i'm a dual citizen i'm a, U, yeah, okay. I'm a u.s and a canadian my wife uh my wife is uh canadian and uh that's what uh, brought me here I love Canada. Canada is a, is a phenomenal, great country. Uh, we're truly anywhere like the United States, Canada. We're truly blessed to be living where we live. I look at uh, look at what the hell's going on in the world today, and we're really, really. We should be very thankful every 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 day we wake up. We should be thankful for where we live. So, yeah. So right now I'm in Toronto. Typically, I in the winter months I'm down in Florida. I got a place down there, and in the winter and in the summertime I, I spend a portion in Chicago because I love Chicago. It's my hometown. And in Toronto, because uh, it's my it's my home too. So 
right now I'm in Toronto right now. Yeah, because it's nice right now. <laughs> Finally. <laughs> Finally. <laughs> it's getting it's getting there. Not quite, but it's getting there. I should I should mention that this is like uh early October we're we're recording this because it might not come out for a couple months. Um Anyway, you, you mentioned some things about uh, doing renovations, and one thing you mentioned was over-renovation. Um, I see people do this all the time. How do you know you're not over-renovating? How do you know what level to renovate to? When I started investing in the U.S., I did it by myself and had to go through the growing pains of doing that. glensutherlandcom slash coaching. A 12-week coaching program done one hour per week over Zoom from the comfort of your own home. Classes are kept to five people to be able to answer everyone's questions. Shortcut the process. Make fewer mistakes. Curriculum available at glensutherland.com slash coaching. Really, when I, the things that I, uh, I start, uh, what I strongly suggest with people is that they, that they once they, they need to establish a goal, like what are we looking to accomplish with this investment property? If we're going to flip it, or if we're going to uh, to uphold that on as a rental, these are all different goals and require a series of actions to be able to get us to that goal. So it's, we gotta we gotta we gotta specify what it is that we're looking to accomplish, and ultimately we gotta go out in the marketplace and validate it, and then really actually have to go perhaps visit the properties. A lot of stuff can be done over the internet, but truly, you really you need to go visit these properties that have rented for twelve hundred dollars a month or have sold for. 320,000 and really walk them and see the quality of the paywork. You can't glean those type of things off of the websites or off of Zillio or realtor.com or whatever. You got to go visit the, the, these, the, these you know, sales and see exactly what it is that, that they've accomplished so that you can incorporate that. And that's how you are able to limit the amount of money or, or, or getting to a point where you over renovate. You should have a established budget once you have um done your goal setting validation and, and that budget should be the you know, amount of money you're going to be kicking into this i'm hoping that prior to you purchasing this property that you already have put aside in your mind thirty thousand fifty thousand whatever that renovation is and that is your budget you got to live within that budget and and then we all want to it's really easy it's a slippery slope to start going in and over renovating a property because you know, if there's a hundred dollar toilet, then there's a three hundred dollar toilet, then there's a five hundred dollar toilet, and then you, you know, a couple hundred dollars here, a couple hundred dollars there. All of a sudden, uh, you're spending money for no for no reason. But by doing market analysis on a granular level, establishing or knowing exactly how much the limits of what you're going to spend, then the next step would be, Glenn, you got to go in and you got to do an assessment of the property and what I call like a needs and wants list. You got to create. So a need is something that we have to do no matter what. This is our baby. This is our this is a property that we own. So if there's a hole in the roof, we got we got to fix it. If there's a pothole in a driveway, we got to fix it, right? Yeah. But do the windows need to be replaced? Well, you know, oftentimes I find people rushing to replace windows and paying you know eight twelve thousand dollars. Where you know what for a flip for a flip, hey, you don't have to do that. The markets, you know, you we got a limited budget. Maybe we do, but if we got money in the kitty, we do it. But if yeah. we don't, we don't spend money because it's really easy to start spending money. And yes, windows will add value. But I gotta tell you something that eight to twelve thousand dollars I spent on windows, I could take that money, I can dress up the if this is a flip or something like that, a rental. I can redirect that money where that the person who walks in 
who's looking to purchase it or looking to rent that property is going to be uh, happy or overwhelmed with what other things you've done versus replacing the windows. You know what I mean? So you got to really, and that's where folks, I guess, new real estate investors who want to get in this action have got to have some experience or somebody to guide them through the, you know, making sure that they don't get into things that they shouldn't be. So uh, again, you create a needs and wants list. And the, the hope is that that list, once you've compiled all these things on the need side that you have to do, and then the want side, you'll be able to use the budget number that you've established to address for sure the stuff on the needs. And then you go through the wants and you pick in, you pick the ones that will deliver the highest ROI. And again, it comes back with uh, to experience. Uh, you know, and I know, Glenn, like uh, uh, there's an old saying that a real estate agent told me 20, 20 some odd years ago. She said, Van, you can't sell the steak without the sizzle. And what that means to me is whenever I look at a property, uh, what uh, on a conscious and subconscious level, you got to make it, if that place, you got to invite that person in and really feel that they want to buy it or rent it. And so I start with the aesthetics, man. I start with the landscaping. I start with painting the front door and the garage door, uh, dressing out the exterior of the property so that, you know, you, you shovel the snow off the driveway or you plant some trees you make the place, you know, sprinkle some new, you know, pay for some new sod. You dress up the exterior of the property so that when you have somebody who's looking to rent or looking to buy the place, you get the biggest bang for your buck. I mean, there's a little trick like the driveway, the asphalt driveway. I, I don't know, for a couple hundred bucks, you coat it with a black topping on, you know, like the coating and stuff yeah. on it. Airport grade stuff, yeah. All of a sudden, that gray, dreary driveway turns into, like, looks like it's brand new. And I've done this with uh, countless times and I've seen the reactions of people when they drive up and they walk on this newly coated driveway, they think it's brand new because people just don't know. Yep. And then they look at the landscaping, they look at the freshly painted window, the doors, and all of a sudden the place looks a lot better. All of a sudden it adds and I've only spent a thousand, two thousand dollars and all of a sudden I've raised the value just by virtue of doing that, those, those types of things, right? And so those are the types of things that the old dogs like me and you, you know, because we've been through the war, we know, but these young folks, you know, they start blowing their brains out on, you know, 10 or $20,000 kitchens and bathrooms and stuff like that. So, whoa, whoa, hold on, hold on. We don't have that kind of money in the budget. You know, I, I always like to leave a little bit of money on the table when I do a flip as an example. So if the going market rate is like $200,000 on a flip, let's say yep. totally decked out, I don't mind selling it for 190,000 because everybody wants to feel like they get a deal. And I'm yep. going to much rather get in and get out on a deal, uh, you know, a lot quicker like that and maybe leave a little bit of money on the table versus me holding on to property, trying to demand top dollar. Again, it comes back to experience. Yep. So. And you, you just mentioned the 10K kitchen. Um, maybe touch on the thing. Like, um, when you're doing renovations, you, you, you kept talking about doing rentals and doing flips, right? How, how, do you, how are your renovations different between doing a rental and a flip? Do you okay, do that, that, definitely, there's a difference in the uh, the different uh, there's a difference in the type of renovation value add that you're going to initiate when it's a rental versus uh, versus you know, when you're looking to flip it, you're looking to sell it. I'll give you an example: appliances. Uh, if you're it's a rental, do you really are going to get into things like uh, stainless steel appliances, or are you going to choose something a little bit cheaper, maybe black appliances or go white? Yep. Uh, when you're looking at uh, tub surrounds. 
and you can go do to 12 by 24 inch tile and make it look all dolled up and nice or you put a liner around it because it's a rental property yes you know these are some of the things you got to be you got to pick and choose those things when you're doing a rental and, and when you're doing a flip but you're going to be you're going to have to doll up the place more on a on a flip than you would on a rental um and again the market will tell you glenn what you need to do and come back to really die you know figuring it out every market is different what happens in cleveland ohio is different than what happens in tampa versus what happens in san francisco so you really need as a real estate investor really need to do a deep dive within that market the sub market that the property is located in the neighborhood is located in and find out what do i need to do to be able to get me to my goal in the most cost-effective manner to get the biggest ROI. Yep. It's pretty simple stuff, but you need to have the experience. You need to have the, you know, the overcome, overcome the fear associated with doing these things, but it's not rocket science over here, but you just got to get the systems and processes implemented in your life to be able to initiate, uh, to get you to your goals. Yep. Totally agree. Um, one trick I have is, um, you always have to pull your cold pull your own comps uh before you buy these things right so why not just give that to the contractor set the expectation they know what to what they need to do what they need to make it look like right <laughs> you know this yeah. is what it looks like this is what the one that i this down the road looks like and i want it to look like that so that i get the same value right well i'm a, like uh I, i'm glenn i'm a big advocate for folks to uh look at that whole relationship with a contractor Ultimately, at the end of the day, a contractor is looking to put food on this table and is going to is going to see and do everything that they can to get, maximize their the, 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 the engagement that they have with you. So I like to I'm uh, and I'm a I'm a GC and I know like I've done thousands of renovations from single family all the way up to commercial stuff and and trust me, general contractors are looking to you know they're looking to profit. And so I, I like to get into situations where I strongly recommend that folks, uh, when they get to the point where they know exactly what it is that they want to accomplish with this renovation value add, that they create their own scope of work. An actual detailed document that says, hey, this is what I want to see in the, you know, if I'm painting the place, if I'm putting hard, you know, type, some type of flooring, whatever it is that you're looking to accomplish in that property, you should have that clearly identified as well, you know, not only the specification associated with it, but the process. I want to tell the, the, the general contractor or the painter, okay, I want you to make sure that you ensure that the walls are clean. I want you to prime the walls. I want you to put two coats of paint. And this is the primer, Benjamin Moore, blah, blah, blah. Uh, this is the Sherwin-Williams, blah, blah, blah paint. This is the quality, this is the texture. This is my expectations, because I guess what, if you go into those situations without that and you say, hey, general contractor, can you price this out for me, price this out for me, price this out for me, you're going to get quotes that are from, you know, 10,000 all the way up to 50,000. One guy's going to look at it and say, oh, okay, of course, he wants great work, so I'm going to put two coats of paint on it, la, 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 he's going to give you one price. The other guy's going to say, oh, this guy's a cheapskate. He's looking to, you know, he's going to compare me against other guys. So I'm just going to put a coat of paint on it. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? You got to, you got to, uh, this is where a lot of the difficulties, a lot of the, the issues and the bad blood that, that happens from the client to the general contractor is that there's just a lot of gray area. And also if you're one to go and rely on a general contract to create that scope of work, 
you're, you're asking for trouble because, hey, he's going to, again, ultimately, his goal is to extract as much money as they can out of you. And so are, are you just letting the, what I like analogy, I say, you're letting the wolves into the hen house. Yeah. You don't want a guy like me into your hen house. Trust me. You don't want a guy like me in there. But I'll take you. For, I'll take you. So that's why we limit that by creating a nice detailed scope of work. It's a process and it's difficult, very difficult in the beginning. But it's, a, it's something that you need to do. And then once you've created, it's like a boilerplate that you can use for future renovation projects. So every time you put it out to tender and you get a pricing from a couple of cardinal GCs, then they, they just follow that and they make sure that, they, that this is what you're getting. You're getting apples to apples comparison to your quote. And then all of a sudden you see the quote starting to tighten up. They're falling within a range because you're all asking them, you're telling them all the same, same thing. If I grab one guy and I walk him around the property and say, start pointing at things and this is what I want, la, la, la. And then I grab the other guy. Do you think that there would be some information missing in that interaction? But it won't if I have it on a sheet of paper clearly specifying exactly what I'm looking to accomplish in that property. So I'm a big proponent of that. And I'll tell you, by virtue of you doing that, you attract you attract people that are professional. Because uh, if I give a document as detailed like that to a contractor who looks at it and he says, oh, this is uh, I, 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 they don't want a quote on it. That tells me that tells you something that tells you that this guy is a fly-by-nighter. It scares people away when there's too much detail. But me as a professional general contractor, I love it because I know that me, I make the most amount of money by doing quick turnaround and projects. Go right. in there, get the job done, get paid. Go in there, get the job done, get paid. And if when I see somebody, a client who's got, who knows exactly what they want, I price it out, we agree on the price, and I go in there and bang it out, and he and I don't have to wait there for them to pick out a color of paint or the flooring or humming and hawing. And if I don't have that, I love that client because just go in there, bang it out, and move on to the next project. The guys, so the scope, a detailed scope of work by virtue of having a document like that gets rid of the riffraff. And you know, and I know, Glenn, that we can't get ourselves involved with riffraff because it costs us money at the end of the day. Though every day, week, month that passes on when you're doing a renovation, and let's face it, every single, mostly, every single property we buy are pieces of junk. They're, they, they, they're, they're ugly ducklings. They're diamonds in the rough. We've got to sprinkle some money in them to be able to raise the value on them. And ultimately, if, if uh, so we're always looking to renovate. We're looking to raise value. And if we don't have our act together and we, we, we hire a, a, a contractor who doesn't know what they're doing, we either we're going we're gonna to lose money Either we're going to lose money because we're going to rip out something that the guy didn't, uh, or the guy's going to disappear with a deposit, or there's there's delays. And every day that if you're if you're using hard money, that can add up pretty quickly, very fast. Wow. No, there's a lot there, right? Um, and you talked about buying ugly ducklings to like to really maximize. Can't talk today to maximize this, right? Because um, you make your money when you buy, and you make your money when you renovate. Um, but for a lot of people, I hear that they just, they skip this step and they go for these pretty houses, right? They like to just base this on renovations and, or sorry, on, on appreciation. And they don't, they're not interested in doing a renovation because it's, it's terrifying. Uh, what, what do you say to people that, that, you know, they're avoiding, how do you make this safer? And how do you, how do you word this to people to, to give them the confidence to go through? 
It's ultimately, uh, it is a much longer road for you to take and to get to the point where you have created financial freedom and generational wealth. If you are not going out there acquiring properties and finding great deals, and like I said before, great deals typically require some type of a value add, some type of a renovation. And so if you buy a, a property that's all dolled up, your margins to be able to you know, purchase it and pull the equity out and go buy another one is greatly diminished. In fact, the outright you don't, really don't have. It, it's, just, uh, it's, just an interest, uh, it's just an interest play. Meaning, instead of putting my bank in a mutual fund or putting my money in, my, in, in a bank account generating X amount of interest, I just purchased a real estate property that's being rented and is generating whatever percentage, 6%, 8%. And if you're okay with that, I guess, go ahead. But the problem with that approach is, is that it's gonna take you so much longer to, to create the, 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 the income, the passive income that you need out of that investment to be able to say, uh, to, to be able to move away from your day-to-day -day job, right? And ultimately, my, I think my thoughts are that people wanna get involved in real estate investing for the long game, the long haul, where ultimately it's going to create enough passive income in their life to be able to walk away from their job, to have a very, very comfortable uh, retirement, to have something that they pass on to their, you know, to the future generations of their family. And it's awfully difficult for you to do that if you're paying top dollar for property that's already rented, uh, it's already dialed up, dialed up, and and then uh, you're expecting that you're going to be cash flowing and. And I don't, I, I, I don't see the value in that. There are people out there who are doing that, but I mean, you can, you can go into these real estate investment trusts and there's syndicators out there that are doing it. And I mean, you'd probably be better off just doing that versus taking this approach that you and I are advocating. You yeah. and I are advocating, you know, if it's done properly, I mean, you're banging out 20%, man. <laughs> yeah. Where are you going to find, where the heck are you going to find that kind of return on investment? Or I will, if you're really good, infinite infinite returns that's the right number <laughs> that's the right number that damn straight so if it is at the very minimum if i can pull out a 20 some odd percent return on the investment that's pretty sweet considering with the turmoil is going on in the world it uh you know stock market going up and sometimes going down all that kind of stuff you know might as well just throw a dart uh throw a bullseye at the dart thing whatever the, with the stock market i can never understand it yeah but with real estate man you can set it up if you know how what you're doing. Again, it requires some experience, maybe some you know help uh, outside. You know, people have done it, but to get to the point where you're able to create investment vehicles that are generating, you pull, you buy it, you pull all your money out or most of it out, and, and all of a sudden you're generating infinite returns. God, that's nothing better than that, man. Yeah, yeah. One one tip I had too is whenever I uh, I started and I I basically I thought of it like. I partner with the bank, I partner with a fix and flip loan or something like that. And you know what? They have more risk in this game than you. And they're going to make sure that they're, you're not doing stuff wrong. And it's a great way to learn. And then you're going to see the, all the checks and balances that they have in place to make sure you don't lose money because they have more money in this than you do. You're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. Uh, like I, I, there are hard money lenders out there that are there. You know, they they've got uh, the same amount of skin in the game as you, and so they're going to make sure that you got all your eyes dotted and T's crossed in terms of what you're looking to do over a period of time, 
so that they can get their return on investment and you can ultimately accomplish your goals. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's an expensive, it's an expensive way to do it um, because they are going to take a lot of fees, um, but they're going to, you know, they're not going to lend if they don't believe in your ARV. They're not going to lend if they don't believe in your purchase price or your renovation or any of it. <laughs> but Glenn, who cares? You know, at the end of the day, who cares if whatever their fees are, this is a numbers game. Ultimately, if I buy, find an asset that I, uh, that I can purchase for $100,000, yeah. and then if I do I spend $50,000 in renovations, and all of a sudden I'm able to generate so much value from the renovation that pushes the value of that property to 250, and I can document and show that to a, a lender, and they want 14% return on their money, and I'm still at the end of the day, ended up with an asset that uh, is in my hands of generating positive cash flow, a couple hundred dollars, whatever a, a month, who cares? Okay. See, oftentimes I find people, oh, they're humming and humming sitting on that fence. Oh, you know, the real estate market is going to collapse. It's going to fall. And blah, blah, blah. I said, listen, I'm buying properties off market at 30% uh, discounts. And I've got really, I, I look at 10 to 20 deals every single day because the relationships I have in the markets, because I've been there for a while and I've created relationships from real estate agents, wholesalers, brokers, mortgage brokers, property managers. And so I'm buying at, at a discount. Like I'm going to the supermarket, I'm going to the clearance aisle. And so why do I care if the market is going to go down 10, 20%? I'm ahead of the game. Yep. Yep. You and and I got you. multiple exit strategies when I purchase a property too. Yep. So that's that. that so that's one of the things I don't understand about, uh, but, uh, and, and that's been my saving grace. I've been doing this for 30 years. And that's been my people ask me, uh, especially when I'm doing these podcasts. Well, you know, you were there for 2001. Yes, indeed. I was doing rent roll that morning and I saw the planes fly into those buildings. And it was a horrible time. I wasn't through the 07s and the 08s and the early 90s and places like I, I went through a lot of turmoil. But you know what the saving grace has been? I got 12, over 1,200 doors. And the reason why I got that is because I always bought well. I, I buy at discounts, severe discounts. I don't go out there on MLS. What? You're going to find something on MLS or realtor.com.ca, whatever? No. I mean, it's rarely. Yeah, you can maybe, you know, you can find something kicking around, but that's not how you make, that's not how you, that's no. You got to go out there and you got to create relationships. There's opportunities everywhere, but you can't, you, you got to go find them. You got to find them. I love this. This, you, I, I am on the same page. Absolutely, I know that. Off market, yeah, finding these things, you know, direct to seller through wholesalers, whatever works. Finding fewer eyes on this property, the better deal it is. Van, I'm trying to keep these episodes around 30 minutes. So, oh, we might have to come have you back in like a year to do this again. Um, but because this was a good one, I, I, I wrote so many notes down. Very good stuff. Uh, Van, tell us a bit about your business, what you do, and then we'll wrap this thing up. Nothing. Right now, like I said, I'm somewhat retired and really enjoy engaging people. I want to get uh, uh, the word out on the whole renovation component and, and uh, folks who are interested in getting into real estate and are struggling with that. Uh, I've got a lot. I've got I do these podcasts talking about it. I've got a website, vansturgeon.com that you can go. There's a lot of great resources and that you can uh, download and use in your, in your, in your developing the systems and process you need to be able to get to become a successful real estate investor. There's a reason why 90% of the world's multimillionaire billionaires out there are involved in real estate. Real estate is the action. That's where you need to be at in order to create that financial freedom and generational wealth for your family. And so you can reach out to me through social media, through my website, 
if you got any questions, uh, and, and it's a real pleasure to, to talk to you, Glenn, and I look forward to be able to do this again. I appreciate that. Thank you for coming on the show. This was uh, this was a good one, and this is one of the ones I think I'm definitely going to point a lot of people to. There's a lot of value in it. Thank you. Thank you, sir.